0: Open your Bibles, if you would, this morning, to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. You can probably guess the theme of this morning's message. <laughs> Luke chapter 24. Actually, we've been looking on Sunday nights at a series entitled, Back from the Grave. Look at some different resurrections in the Bible. Uh, that's been our Sunday night series. Well, this morning we're bumping this one up into our morning service, back from the grave, our Savior. Luke chapter 24 and verse number 13. And if you're able to stand, would you stand with me as I read these opening verses together? If you're not able, we understand that. But if you're able to stand with me in honor to God's word, let's follow along as I read. Luke 24, beginning with verse number 13. It says, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one with another as ye walk and are sad? Let's pray. Father, Bless the time in your word this morning. Encourage us through it. Father, especially this morning, if there's any who do not have full assurance of salvation in Christ, that they would come to understand this morning their need and understand the, the provision that Christ has made for us through the cross, through the empty tomb. This we pray and thank you for in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I heard of a young couple, newlywed couple. The husband came home and found his wife crying. And so he went up and said, honey, what's wrong? She was crying. She said, I I made a special cake for you today, but the dog ate it. He put his arm around her and said, honey, don't cry. I'll buy you a new dog. (laughs) Sadness. Death brings Sadness. These two disciples were sad. That Understand, that resurrection morning, it wasn't all joy and bells and whistles. Not to start with. <laughs> uh, the ones who went and found the tomb empty, they were bewildered. Uh, they were saddened. Uh, the disciples said, we don't know where they took him. Somebody took the, the body of our Lord and we don't know where he is. These two disciples, as they walked this road, the road to Emmaus, it says, Jesus found them sad. Not only had they lost their friend and their spiritual mentor, but they had lost their future king. He was their hope. Their hope of rescue and salvation from, from an oppressive Rome. The one who could deliver them from oppression, grant them peace and prosperity, but now he was gone. Unjustly taken from them. Their hopes and their dreams were shattered. As Jesus walked with these two disciples, look in verse 27 in Luke 24. As Jesus walked with them, it says that, that uh, he, he put a shield, if you will, over their eyes so they did not recognize who He was when He began this conversation. Look in verse 20, uh, 27. Jesus it says, He began beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them, In all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. As Jesus walked and talked with these two disciples, he expounded some important truths about who he was, about what he came to do, about the cross, and about the empty tomb. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is probably the most attacked doctrine in scripture. Why is that? And by the way, not even just by... The world, but by some who profess themselves to be theological mm-hmm. <laughs> masters, who try to, to make everything in the scripture uh, have some type of, of hidden meaning or some type. You can't take it literally, you know, they say. So even by some who may stand in the pulpit might deny this doctrine in, in all reality, but if they can discredit the resurrection of Jesus Christ, guess what? There goes his deity, yeah. there goes uh, his uh, redemption. That he came to provide. There goes everything. Everything he proclaimed to be is false. If not for that empty tomb. If not for that empty tomb. His resurrection was not just some spectacular historical event. It not only affects the past, but it affects uh, our lives every single day. And it has a bearing, by the way, on our future. The hope that we possess as believers. And so, as Jesus dis- under- described these things, he probably didn't use a three point message, okay, with a literate, but I'm going I'm to put it into three points this morning. <laughs> Through the resurrection, Christ revealed some things. Number one, he revealed his divine plan. His divine plan. It says, you notice again, verse 27 he expounded unto them in what? All the scriptures. You see, the coming of Christ and what he came to do is recorded, not just in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts and the Book of Romans. It's recorded all through, a little song we learned when we were a kid, but all through the, old, the scriptures. In fact, beginning all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, a Savior, a coming Savior is prophesied. And so this was not some recently devised plan of God. God didn't have to, to, to scrounge and try to come up with a backup plan because the, 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 uh, Adam and Eve messed it up or the, because the devil somehow threw a wrench in the gears there at the cross. No, this was all part of God's divine plan for you and for me. The prophecies of a coming Savior who would suffer and die for the sins of the world. As I mentioned beginning in Genesis 3.15, but all through the script, all through the Old Testament, we find those prophecies of the one who would come to die not the least of which is found in Isaiah chapter 53, right? 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20 uh, says, Christ's sacrifice was foreordained before the foundation of the world. In other words, before Adam and Eve were ever put on this earth, God knew what was going to happen, and he had a plan already, already devised. Right. And by the way, I've said this before, but let me just reiterate, when God declares something to be, it's done. It's good, it's done. And so that's why it says he was slain before the foundation of the way it was already done even though it had not happened in time yet because God is God (laughs) and so when God sets forth when God uh, prophesies it when God declares it it's as good as done and it is done in his uh, in his frame by the way the resurrection is also in the Old Testament do you realize that (laughs) it's not just a New Testament doctrine there in the psalm uh, I think I jotted the reference down uh, somewhere psalm 16 verse 10 it talks, it's a, a messianic psalm or prophetic psalm, but it talks how his body would not stay in the grave. <laughs> he would not leave his body in the grave, but he would be resurrected indeed. As Jesus hung on the cross, about to draw his last breath, he shouted the words. He said, it is finished. <laughs> And last week we noticed, you remember, we said that wasn't the last cry of, a, of a, a helpless or desperate martyr. It was a shout of victory. The word used there for it literally means accomplished. Accomplished. But then it says, he then yielded up the ghost. In other words, his life, understand this truth this morning, his life was not taken from him. It was given. It was given. He gave his life For us, for you, for me, that we might be saved from death and hell. And so his divine plan spans the ages. His death and resurrection were necessary. Number one, it was necessary for the remission of sin. His resurrection is necessary for us to have forgiveness of sin. Look at verse 46 and 47. Here in Luke 24, where he says, Jesus said to them, Thus it is written... That is, this is in the Scripture, but thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ it was necessary that Christ suffer and arise from the death the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You see, if Christ, in fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, Paul said, If Christ be not risen, then it says, our faith is vain. And then he goes on and says this, and you're still in your sin. <laughs> so, if Christ, yes, the, the, the cross is our redemption, but without the empty tomb, the cross would mean nothing. <laughs> Paul said, if Christ is not risen, our faith is vain, and you are yet in your sin. If there is no resurrection, there's no hope for any of us. You see, Christ came not just to be a master teacher, He did not come to start a movement <laughs> or to become a martyr. He came to be a Savior. He came to redeem and to save souls, to to, to die and be raised that we might experience life eternal. Listen, if He came merely to be a a martyr, to die a martyr's death, then it all ended at the cross. (laughs) But it didn't. It didn't stop there. Not only is His death and resurrection necessary for the remission of sin, but also His resurrection is necessary for the receiving of the Spirit. In verse 49... Luke 24, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. Wait here, he says, until ye be endued with power from on high. And we read about that in Luke's account there in the book of Acts. When he talks about how Jesus went away, and they went to Jerusalem, they waited, and and what happened? Fifty days later, right? The Holy Spirit came and fell upon man. But remember, Jesus told his disciples, he said uh, that if I go away, he said, expedient, necessary I go away from you. He said, but if I go, he said, I'm going to leave. I'm going to give you another comforter. So Jesus was their comforter while he was here on earth. He was there to teach them, to instruct them. He was there uh, to, to encourage them and all of that sort of thing. But when he left, they would have had nothing. So Jesus said, I'm going to send somebody else. But then he said this, and not only will he be with you, like I've been with you, but he says he will be with you in you. And so he sent the Holy Spirit and that we are enjoying the fruit of that today. Amen. Those who know Christ their Savior, we have the Holy Spirit abiding in us. And let me just tell you, I'm not going to get off track this morning, but let me just tell you this. If you've been saved this morning, you've got all the Holy Spirit you're going to get. You've got all the Holy Spirit you need to do all that he's called you to do. At the moment, the Bible says, if we have not the Spirit, then we're none of His. And so it's not a partial thing. So, well, I'll give you some now. I'll give you some later. Or if you, if you keep the faith, I'll give you the Spirit later. No. The moment you receive Christ your Savior, He gives you that imparting, indwelling Holy Spirit. With the Spirit, we have the power to overcome sin and temptation. We have peace. That we belong to him. Peace that he will take care of us. We have the strength and enabling to carry out all the commands of God. All found in the Holy Spirit. And he is the seal of our salvation by the way. The guarantee that that, uh, Christ left with us. God left with us. To to guarantee us that we're going to make it to heaven as believers. If you've trusted Christ your Savior. You possess the Spirit. uh, And he's not going to let go of you. All right, We've got his stamp. The Bible says. Sealed until the day of Redemption. So Christ revealed to them His divine plan. What He came to do. His death, His burial, His resurrection. Secondly, if you'll go with me to the Gospel of John, the very next, next book, John chapter 20, He revealed His divine person. This is on another occasion as He appears before His disciples in the upper room as they were in hiding at this point for fear of their lives. Jesus entered into their midst through the locked doors and all of that. But look in verse 24 of chapter, John chapter 20. Not only did he reveal that his divine plan, but also his divine person. His divine person. Verse 24 says, They said, therefore, among themselves, let, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. I'm in the wrong chapter, aren't I? Chapter 20. <laughs> I was in 19. Sorry about that. Chapter 20, verse 24. It says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, a.k.a. Doubting Thomas, <laughs> but it says he was not with them when jesus came this says the other disciples therefore said we have seen the lord but he said unto them except i shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of his nails and thrust my hand into his side i will not believe and after eight days again his disciples were within and thomas with them and then came jesus the doors being shut and stood in the midst, and said peace be unto you and then said thomas saith he to thomas "'Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, "'reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side.'" See, Jesus heard what he said, even though he wasn't there. <laughs> Omnipotent, he's God, but he says, "'And be not faithless, but believing.'" Verse 28, "'Thomas answered and said unto him, "Lord, or, "'My Lord and my God.'" And then verse 29, Jesus said unto him, "'Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. "'Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed.'" Jesus declared to them His divine person. Now Thomas, we know here again, he he wasn't there. he had to see for himself. He said, "I'll believe it when I see it." <laughs> and boy, we can sure criticize Thomas, can't we? Yeah. I've talked about this before. I'd hate to be one of the apostles, impetuous Peter, doubting. They're known for that title all their lives. <laughs> uh, for one, uh, maybe yes, big error, but error in judgment. <laughs> okay. What what would how would you how many names would you have in front of your name if you were known by your faults <laughs> all your life? How often do we doubt God? Yeah, cool. <laughs> Daily, maybe? <laughs> to some extent? Oh, we worry, we fret, and then when God answers our prayer, we say, Lord, I know you had to. I know that you were going to do this all along. I wasn't worried. <laughs> but God knows our heart. But Thomas, he said, unless I see for myself and put my fingers in the, the prints and thrust my hand, I will not believe. But look at verse 28. Thomas didn't have to do that, by the way. When Jesus appeared, he just had to see him. And then he said this, my Lord and my God. I can't help but think, it doesn't tell us here, but I can't help but think Thomas dropped to his knees. (laughs) He said, my Lord and my God. Now, in that simple statement, Thomas gave the strongest testimony to the deity of Christ ever to come from the lips of mortal men up to this point. (laughs) He said, not just my Lord, but he called him my God. God, my God! I had someone tell me of a different persuasion. If you want to say that faith-wise, that well, that was just an expression of speech. He didn't. He really wasn't saying, calling God. And my response was, "You mean Thomas took the Lord's name in vain? That's what it would be, right? <laughs> no, Jesus. The fact that Jesus allowed Thomas to call Him God is proof of His deity. <laughs> it's further proof." He accepted such worship because Thomas had spoken the truth. Matthew 8.2 2 says there came a leper and worshipped him. Matthew 9.18, there came a certain ruler and fell down and worshipped him. Matthew 14.33, they that were in the ship came and worshipped him. Matthew 28.9, they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Jesus received the worship because uh, he, he deserved it. If Thomas had spoken falsely, Christ surely would have done what Peter did. When Cornelius, remember the story, when Cornelius fell down, when Peter appeared, fell down and began to worship him. And what did Peter say? He said, get up! I'm but a man just like you. (laughs) And so we're not to bow, let me just add this in here, we're not to bow at any man's feet, okay? I don't care what outfit they may have on I don't care what they look like what they, who they profess to be in fact the book of Revelation when John after he received the revelation that we read about the vision uh, that he records there it says uh, the angel or no he says that, that uh, John fell down at the feet of the angel <laughs> began to worship and the angel said no worship God only <laughs> and so understand the significance my Lord and my God. Jesus received the worship of angels. He received the worship of men. By the way, can I say this? This will make your head spin a little bit. He even received the worship of God the Father. <laughs> In the book of Hebrews, when he said, Thy throne, O God the Father, if you read Talking to the Son, God the Son said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. God the Father called Jesus the Son God. <laughs> If Jesus had not been God uh, revealed in the flesh, then His sacrifice, His entire work of redemption would have been worthless. Absolutely worthless. Jesus revealed His divine plan. He revealed His divine person. One more this morning. We're almost done. One more. Jesus revealed His divine power. His divine power over death and the grave and hell. John chapter 20. Let's go back up to the first few verses of this chapter. You're already there. But let's look at verse 1 here in chapter 20. Where it says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene, early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher. And seeing the stone taken away from the sepulcher, and then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and the other disciples, whom Jesus loved, and said to him, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they've laid Him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple then came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter. John was a little faster, all right? <laughs> came first to the sepulchre, and he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying that Jesus had been buried in. It says, yet went he not in. Then come a sign with Peter, following him, and went into the sepulchre, and see if the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his face or his head, not lined with linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself, folded up neatly. Verse 8, then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. The tomb was empty. <laughs> the tomb was empty. <laughs> Heard about uh, <clears throat> children says where well, they were the teacher was talking about the resurrection and and the teacher asked the, the class, says, does anybody know what, what uh, Jesus said when he came out of the tomb? One little boy rose his hand, I know, I know. The teacher said, yeah, what did he say? The boy stood up and he says, ta-da. <laughs> well, the empty tomb was not the work of human hands. We know that they did everything they could to prevent that from happening. The Pharisees did. <laughs> there was no way They would allow that to happen. Those who had plotted his death would see to it that no one removed his body. They'd heard the claims that Christ would would rise from the dead, and they saw it as a possible plot by his disciples to steal the body and then lie about it. Guess who had to lie? Guess who had to pay somebody to lie? It was the Pharisees. They're the ones who had to fabricate a story. The stone, the seal, the guards—all the safeguards in the world—could not prevent Jesus from leaving that tomb. Right. The critics, I've said this before. The critics say, "Prove he's risen." No, no. You prove to me he did. The tomb was empty. Burden of proof's on you, bud. Right. The tomb was empty, with no explanation, except by what we read, obviously. In the revealed Christ. The resurrection reveals his divine power over death and the grave, and in so doing, over hell itself. Jesus said, Because I live, you shall live also. His resurrection guarantees believers life eternal. Jesus, when talking again to Mary and Martha, I remember over the death of Lazarus, he said, uh, uh, those who, who uh, live, live and believe in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then he says, uh, they, they shall never die. Believers in him shall never die. So yes, this life is temporary, but as a child of God, if you're here and you've placed your faith in Christ as your personal Savior, this world is not it. The old song goes, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, Right? My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Because of His resurrection, we are not beholden to death in the grave. The Apostle Paul wrote this, when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, when this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying: Death is swallowed up in victory. <laughs> Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in His death and in His resurrection, we have what? We have victory. Victory over death. Victory over the grave. Victory over an eternal hell. This morning, this morning, victory can be yours. Hebrews 7, verse 25, it says, He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him. And so if you are willing, anyone watching, if you are willing to come to Christ this morning, He'll save you to the uttermost. (laughs) To the very end, in hard times, in, in, in good times, He'll save you to the uttermost. And for those who have trusted Christ as their Savior, you don't have to wait to the grave to experience victory. You don't have to wait to the grave to experience the power of His resurrection. All power in heaven and earth belong to Him. All power in heaven and earth He's given to us. The power He has power to sustain us, to keep us every day of our lives. His power is greater than any financial needs you might have. His power is greater than any difficulty or problem you may face in your marriage. Yeah. His power is greater than any who may oppose us or many who may abuse us or misuse us. And He has power to heal our sorrow. To heal our grief. There in John chapter 20, I already closed my Bible, verse 27, once again, Jesus told Thomas, He told the disciples, don't doubt, just believe. Just believe. Believe what He did on the cross for you. Believe. In his resurrection, trust him to give you victory over sin and the struggles in your life. Again, if you're here this morning, or you're watching. Victory can be yours. Forgiveness can. Eternal life can be yours. If you'll just come to God, as he says, through faith in Christ, he'll save you to the end. The Bible says, "He who comes to me, I'll never." Under no, in no wise, under no circumstances will I ever cast out. So come to him today. We demonstrate this with the children Wednesday night. And he'll, he'll save us, he'll keep us, he'll secure us. But if you're not sure this morning, won't you make sure, won't you take that step? I'm not asking if you're a religious person. We have a lot of religious people on their way to hell. Can I tell you that? Yeah. I'm afraid we have a lot of people sitting in churches today listening maybe to a similar message, who are on their way to hell because they've not made it personal in their lives. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm not asking if you've you've committed yourself to this or that or if you've done this list of good things that you think earns you favor in God's sight. Cain thought the same thing, by the way. God said, no, it doesn't work. You have to come through the blood. You have to come through Christ. And so this morning, can I ask you just to Ponder in your own heart. Don't worry about anybody around you. Ponder in your own heart. Do you have assurance of Christ in your life? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. I'm not trying to speak a bunch of spiritual speech here. Speak, as they say. But I want to ask you this question. Has there ever been a time that you remember in your life when you made this personal? That is, you prayed, you cried out to God, confessing your need of a Savior. In other words, acknowledging that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. All of us must start at that place, at the foot of the cross. And so there have been a time that you you acknowledge your sin before God, your need before God, and then in your heart, knowing, believing what Christ did for you on the cross, took your place, took your punishment, that you called on Him and asked Him for His forgiveness, for His gift of salvation, His gift of eternal life. And invite Him into your life. Have you ever done that this morning? Again, everything else is peripheral. Everything else is secondary. You can debate other doctrines. You can debate all you want. But have you personally received Christ your Savior? If you have, He'll save you this morning. Or if you have not done that, I mean, He'll save you this morning. Uh, and He will give you all that we've talked about this morning, the victory, the peace, the joy. It doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. doesn't mean there's not going to be sorrow or heartache. But we'll have someone with us and someone in us, by the way, who knows what heartache's all about. And he gives us that comfort, that peace that the world can't give, the Bible says, and the world can't take away. And so very quickly, every head bowed, every eye closed, please. I wonder if there might be even one here this morning. Maybe just even one this morning, and you say, I'm not sure. Uh, I was told at one time I went forward and I made this decision, but I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember a time in my life where I've been going to church and I've had people tell me I was on the cradle roll at such and such a church. Well, good for you. That doesn't save your soul. <laughs> and so this morning, I wonder if there's anyone here, you would say by left-hand preacher, please pray for me. I'm not sure. Young person, old person, in-between person? <laughs> I'm not sure. Would you please pray for me? I'm not going to call you by name. I'm not going to announce you. I'm not going to point you out, but I will say thank you. Put your hand back down, I'll pray for you. Anyone very quickly? Anyone very quickly? I'm not sure. Please pray for me. Maybe there's some watching from home that have that same doubt. This morning, you can know. You can be assured of your destination. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wondrous day that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ again it's not a day on the calendar that that is held in such higher esteem but it's just the day that we remember the day that, that we celebrate this that impacts our lives every single day the resurrection of our Lord and Savior all that he endured the nights before just a few days before when the world counted Him out. The Pharisees thought they defeated Him. Maybe even Satan, I believe, thinks that He disrupted the plan of God. But no. (laughs) No. Three days later, the tomb was empty. He arose from the grave, showing indeed Him to be the Savior and, and the God that He said He was. That He is. Father, thank you for the assurance that we can have this morning of Christ in our heart, in our life. Father, I would ask just real quickly here. There were no indications by hand in this room. But Father, there's any here or elsewhere that does not know you as Savior, I pray right now. They would take just a moment to focus their heart, their attention to you and cry out to you in their heart. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've fallen short of your righteousness. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. He took my place that I might be forgiven and have a home in heaven today, someday. So, Father, I pray that you would forgive me for my sin. Come into my life. Make me new. Possess me, Father, with your Holy Spirit. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. If we'll pray a prayer very similar to that, you will hear, you will save, you will come in. Bless as we close this service together again in a shout of victory for what was accomplished that day some 2,000 almost years ago. We pray, we thank you for in Jesus' name, amen. Take your hymnals. We're going to close with a song. 299 in your hymnals. And we're going to sing this together. If you're here this morning, you have any need whatsoever, the altar is open. We have those who would be willing to come and pray with you if you just want to spend some time alone in prayer. But especially, especially if you're not sure uh, of of your eternal destiny, get that taken care of today. What better day than this blessed resurrection morning?